0: The attitude of uh, opening, relaxing, opening, receiving the present moment, here and now. Pachubana santitiko akalika tamma. Now, by reflecting in this way, when I use these words, santitiko akalika, over the years, these Pali terms... Uh, it's a reminder, you know, like a reflecting reminder, of, because one can come into this shrine room full of uh, views, opinions, feelings, emotions, uh, caught up in one's own sense of self, <clears throat> and when, you know, this is what we're used to in the world of suffering in the sanghara of axes to grind, resentments, duties to perform, on and on like this, that we carry around with us, whether we come into the shrine room, or return to the kuti, or whatever, we can carry these burdens with us. So, using this santitico, akaliko. parent here and now timeless dhamma the word dhamma is <clears throat> the way it is now when reflecting in this way then it puts me in this in this state of uh, of awareness and i'm not trying to i'm more looking observing rather than uh, f- full of myself, or just operating on uh, uh, from habits and getting lost in my thoughts, loves and hates, and so forth. So, even though these are words, uh, like any other thing, they're conventions, not to be clung to. They they can be used skillfully. Skillful means reminding. Because we forget, we get lost into the problems of life, the world, the society, the self, and uh, this, this seems to be such such a powerful realm: the human body, uh, the sensory world, planet Earth, the universe that we are exposed to in these vulnerable forms. is you know, it's pretty powerful experience of impingement of pleasure-pain through the senses and through the mind. So then the perspective is (laughs) Santitiko Akalika Dhamma. Not trying to sort it out and organize it in nice kind of uh, alphabetical order or in Put everything in neatly into little categories. Because that's an endless task, as you well know. To try to try to sort out the samsara. Codify it and organize it. <clears throat> so the, then the Buddha said, awaken to it. All conditions are impermanent. So pay sankarani cha. So it gives us this sense of uh, observing the changingness of phenomena rather than trying to organize it, sort it out, uh, get rid of the, the bad stuff, censor it, edit it, pick and choose. But just recognizing the samsara the condition phenomena is this, the thought, the emotion, the sense of me and mine, doubt, worry, anxiety, fear, greed, hatred, and delusion, rupa, vedina, sanya, sankara, Vijnana. Now, in this, in the five khandhas, for example, it's the attachment. It's always this upadana that is the cause of suffering. There's upadana or clinging attachment in Thai they get man, man, to hold on to, cling to, attach to conditions. Out of ignorance. it's not even the attachment to conditions that is the problem, it's the ignorance. So that's why we' we're, we're creatures of habit. you know we become habituated so we we get used to our ignorance and our suffering and our sense of self, no matter how. Uh, negative or miserable, our creations can be. At least we're used to them. What we're used to is, is a, you know, it's habitual. It's, it's easier to, to just sink into what you're used to than to reflect on it. So this reflecting or sati is, you know, no longer sinking into the momentum of habit, but observing it. We're not trying to get rid of habit, but recognize it. It's like shifting out of just the helpless, helpless uh, surrender to, to suffering and self, toward investigating, towards looking into. This is sati, huh? sampacanya, panya, panya, Yoniso Manasikara, these words convey the sense of investigating, looking into, observing, witnessing. So this is like a skillful use of of thought, of conception, of language, it's, it's thinking and language. And these, are, these aren't the real problems, it's uh, ignorance, avicā. Is the cause of misery. Not understanding nature, not having reflected, observed, not having awakened to reality, then we are caught in this uh, vortex, this sense of whirling around, of fear and anxiety, worry, of seeking happiness, trying to find kind of permanent happiness and and uh, fearing about suffering, pain, misery, loss. And so, uh, you know, the saṃsāra is is a mode of perception. When we, you know, this is another word, but these words like nirvana, saṃsāra are words like anything else, you know, they can be we see them as as opposite to each other. You know, there's Nirvana and then Thangthara as opposed. But they are just modes of perception, a changing from the Thangtharic mode is the me and mine, me, myself, my life, my body, my feelings, my views. And the habitual patterns I've created through that ignorance of self-view sakititi silabhatabharamasa so samsara then is when I, when I surrender to the mode of samsara then I see everything from this very personal way you know whether I like it, don't like it prove, disapprove whether I fear it or dread it or want something not wanting something get my feelings hurt If I don't get my own way, I get upset. Somebody criticizes me or makes fun of me, I feel angry or hurt, offended. If somebody praises me, it makes me feel, you know, on a personal level that I'm all right. I need praise and acceptance. I need smiling faces and nurturing and love from you all to support my sense of well-being as a person. And this is a Sanktaric, Mode of perception, me, what I need. I want the world to, to nurture and support me and respect me and love me. And then, then the fear of, of it all of not getting that, of being rejected, ridiculed, harmed, offended. So, you know, one can operate from that perspective. From the, and this is, this is when I talk about listening to the inner voices. I'm not talking about schizophrenia. <laughs> I'm talking about, you know, listening to sangsara. Listen to your uh, samsaric mode. You know, the sense of yourself as a separate person, as an, uh, as an identity, as what you're used to, what the world, what the conventional world uh, calls you and ex- what you think it expects of you, and fears, loves, and hates, worries, anxieties, needs, desires. So when we're when we don't awaken, then we are kind of stuck into that mode of perception, the samsara We we don't know how to, you know, we we haven't really awaken to it, so we we become this personality, we become this this needy person, this person that wants and doesn't want, that fears and all kinds of things is threatened by life, wants happiness, fears suffering, worries about death, frightened of death. And so this is the dukkha, the first noble truth, this, this ignorance of being, being bound and kind of stuck. It's more like being stuck into this vortex. It's like a whirling vortex of thoughts and emotional habits. That as you get older, they just get more stuck and repeat themselves over and over again. By the time I was 30 years old, I was so fed up with myself, hearing the same old whinging complaints and, you know, at the age 30, which now seems quite young, but I was pretty much set in my ways by the age of 30, you know, in the, in the, being caught in this, in this uh, sense of a self, being stuck into it, and yet sensing that there's, uh, You know, there must be a way out or something more to life than just spending 30 more years thinking and (coughs) repeating the same old emotional patterns and thoughts and that that I acquired the first 30 years of my life. I remember thinking, it's depressing. I think I have to spend 30 more years with these kind of thoughts this, this sense of the self, you know, this critical self. As a cri- I had a very, a very self-critical habit, you know. Nagging inner kind of nagging t- tyrant that that was always uh, kind of putting me down. And it was a habit, tendency, but uh, but it was, it had you know kind of become fixed. Had have become a habitual pattern by the age of 30. So I remember on my 30th birthday, I was in, uh, Malaysia. I was in this beautiful, uh, place on the east coast of Borneo, in Sabah. I was thinking, 30 years old now. That meant I was middle-aged. Now I think of 30 as young. <laughs> But then, uh, and I thought, if I have to spend 30 more years like this with these habits, now the place was was a kind of tropical paradise, a lovely place. but the mind, the, the habit patterns of, uh, that I acquired up to age 30, would always they were like they would dampen everything down kind of make life difficult when it needn't be. A kind of joylessness, a kind of bound, a kind of enslaved to to negative uh, mental states. So then the next 30 years were spent examining all this. Came a monk. <laughs> 40 years now, <laughs> since I was 30, 42 years, 42 and a half years. <laughs> and so, I mean, it, it's changed, you know, because the the practice of meditation was the actual kind of uh was the kind of intuition i had even then at 30 this, this interest in buddhism i re- you know i began to this was it seemed to be the only way out of the this this whirling vortex of unhappiness so it was a morbid intuition you know sense that that this was probably the way to do it and so your went to Thailand and proceeded to develop, looking, looking at Dhamma, changing from this mode of perception of samsara of self, toward looking, towards changing that to Dhamma, seeing Dhamma, knowing Dhamma, rather than criticizing samsara, loving it, hating it seeing myself in terms of, um, you know, what's wrong or what's not, it's not good enough, the critical mind. So then Nibbana is usually the, what, you know, the opposite of samsara. And Nibbana isn't a place or, or something, you know, it's not any, any objective place or thing you can grasp, it's a word, Nibbana is, is another word. But it's a mode of perception, a way of looking that is non-grasping. It's not, it's not, it's not the habit pattern uh, that comes from avicca or ignorance. And so, samsara. Say when we're we're lost in the in the whirling vortex of samsara, then it's like we're 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 bound to birth and death all the time. The conditions changing. And we're kind of stuck in that motion. We have no way out of it. We're merely kind of swimming in this uh, sea of sharks. And then uh, Nirvana is seeing it. We're no longer just caught in the momentum of change, but observing change. Being the knowing, being that observing It's put the... Motor mode of perception changes from being caught in the flow and movement of changing conditions to observing changing. So, Nibbana always implies non-attachment to condition phenomena. Realizing Nibbana means realizing. Non-attachment is like this. Awareness, then. Awareness is to to be aware there's non-attachment. That's why trying to become aware is... It's impossible you know if you can't, if you hold on to trying to become someone who is aware you're you're attached to the concept of awareness and a sense of self that you're somebody who isn't aware or your awareness isn't very good or you're not very mindful and you should be and you're trying to become aware you're you're stuck still stuck in this in this sansaric mode of perception as long as you create yourself as somebody who needs to do something or get rid of something, you're still operating from samsara, from the from the conditioned realm, from ignorance, from avijja. So that's why it's frustrating after years of meditation, you know, trying to purify yourself and attain states. Why do some people just feel such despair? You Knowing they've been moral and good and and um, industrious, and worked hard, and still, because the the mode of perception still stuck into samsara, you know. So even as a monk or a nun, you can still be stuck into that, into the identity, the clinging, the attachment to the conditions of monasticism, to the sense of your self-worth, to the critical mind. To desire, and and have no no other way of perceiving, so just from this self view of what have I attained, what have I achieved? But that's all about self, isn't it? That's samsara. After forty years of monastic life, celibacy, and so forth, what have I achieved? Have I achieved something? by devoting myself to being a buddhist monk for 40 years now that is all Ditti, tilpanta barmasa isn't it it's still operating from samsara so then shifting out of samsara isn't like you know isn't like asking impossible it's really changing the mode of perceiving not me trying to attain Nibbāna, but Awakening, mindful, observing change, observing the self, observing, uh, being the knower of sthila patabharamasa, of wichi And that's why we call that sattisampatanya, because it's nothing, it's not, not like a, a, a refined state of consciousness that you, you get through control. So it's not a matter of controlling and, and kind of sorting everything out to get to uh, live in a more refined, samsaric conditioned realm, but awakening, simple, imminent attentiveness in the present. And then to trust that, you know, the, because when you start thinking about it, again, you're back in samsara. You think, am I really practicing right? Am I just deluding myself? Or... You know, this person says, I need to get rid of my anger. I need to change. I need to develop this. And and I see so many things in myself that, you know, are not very good. And how do I get rid of fear and anxiety and self-consciousness and so forth? And you read the scriptures. And you can still read scriptures from the self-view. And that's the problem. You can read the Pali Suttas still from saṃsāric uh, positioning from the mode of saṃsāra so it, you know that's the thing the problem with baryati Dhamma isn't it it still it still hasn't you know one can still be caught in Sakyaditi Filabhata Bharamasa and read uh, scriptural text so in uh, Vipassana meditation it's like insight looking into it's not, not analysis or, or it's not reason and logic, it's, it's the different, different mode of perceiving from this nibbana position. Now, when you think about yourself as, as looking at things from nibbana, you, you know, the self, you know, if you're a self disparaging type person and you think, I have no right to think I can look at things from the nibbana position, I don't dare. And probably Baratika. People saying Ajahn Sumedho says he's he's uh, he's in nibbana, and that uh, could be Barajiga. Uh utri manusa tamang. You know, where you're boasting about your attainments, and so even the word you know becomes precious. The word nibbana can become so exalted that we, we don't, we're afraid of using it. But it's I'm not looking at it in terms of preciousness or being some sacred word, it's merely a word. So it's it's uh, it's for you know it's a helpful word if you use it properly. So recognizing just observing the difference between Samsaric which is full of me and mine, fears and doubts, conceit, uh anxiety, worry, uh self consciousness, resentment, bitterness about the past fear about the future, or shifting out of samsara to the nebbanic mode is observing, being the witness of change, of self. It's not getting rid of self or trying to make yourself into a better self. It's observing self in whatever way it manifests, whether it's a nice self or a horrible self, positive or negative self. Self is not the issue of, of whether it's it's positive or negative, good or bad, but it's conditioned, you know, all and and cha. So from this perspective of nibbana, of observing, then in just learning to trust in that mode, you to actually observe and witness, there's non-attachment operating already. It's not, I, I become someone who's no longer attached. It's 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 automatic. So say mindfulness is the path to the deathless mindfulness is the deathless <laughs> A way of just of you know using words to remind to 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 help us remember this because the pull of of the power of the samsara vortex is, is is still can be very strong until you your confidence so really confident in awareness. Now, it's not a self-confident sense of I'm really, you know, I'm aware. It's recognizing, awareness is this, and trusting it, and cultivating it. In daily life, and over the years, uh, in monastic life, learning to, no matter what happens to me on a personal level or in communal life, this reference, you know, of observing uh, rather than, you know, being caught in, in the thing, the praise and blame that are an inevitable part of human experience. I think one of the, in Th- Thailand, for example, with Lung Por Chai, I found that, uh, because they, in that uh, kind of Ajahn Man tradition in Thailand, Thai forest tradition, uh, you know, the, uh, the, they use the, the mantra, puto, which is in, in Thai, Thai language is, it's, uh, the, the B becomes a P. So instead of buto, Buddha, it's puto. So, you have to get used to the, uh, to Thai, Thai pronunciation. <laughs> so, when, uh, in, uh, <laughs> When I first went there, you know, this is what, you know, the, talking about Puto and Puru and and they translate Puru, and in Thai, Puru is to know, and Poo always implies a some something somebody that knows. Well, I found this very interesting because because this this mantra Puto could be just you know you could just use it to for tranquility. And just by repeating it and, and over and over to stop the wandering thoughts. Just this two syllable word, puto, you know, one could just use it to tranquilize, you know, calm down and stop the mind from, the thinking mind from wandering. But then, Lung Pancha is always saying, the, the one who knows, puru, puto. So this, this became very strong. Uh, kind of reminder to me over the years. It's so simple, so utterly simple. Getting right down to to the very word Buddha. You know, it's not it's not in it's not the kind of high flown Abhidhamma terms or you know, it's not using the intellect in in the kind of fantastic ways. But it's taking the very essence the very the hearts the core the very the, the liberating the, the the path of liberation right from the beginning puto, not attachment to views about Buddha or anything like that but just that two syllable word and then then you the the, the, the knowing it implies this knowing so this is the the knowing from the Nibbana perspective isn't it the mode of nibbana pu is is not not knowing from not knowing about things from the personal view. There's not like me, as a person, uh, knowing a lot about Buddhism or dhamma or vipassana or anything else. So almost, you know. So you know, over the years, there's always a kind of a marvelous kind of simplicity and directness, just right from the very. Beginning of Puto, because in in beginning to I- investigate that, you know, it, it's it's putting me into this. It's a- almost forces me into this mode of reflection of observing, rather than somebody trying to purify myself, get rid of my anger and greed and lust and fears and desires and trying to become a good bhikkhu, trying to fit into the Thai force tradition, trying to uh, you know, from the personal level there are all these factors going on you know, me Prop Rang, a foreign monk uh, trying to learn Thai, trying to fit into the system trying to keep all the rules trying to become, trying to get along, trying to survive, it's full of me and mine, you know, sense of me trying to fit into a, a different set of conventions, a different way of living, in a different climate, different culture, has fought with the Sakyaditi. You know, because you're, you're frustrated, you're, you feel love, hate, you feel all kinds of emotional reactions to to the changing conditions. And then the Puru, then the Puto, now this this uh, this I found incredibly helpful because it it you know it put me into this observing position, a listener, rather than always oh, trying to sort it out on the samsaric level of conditions. You know that that I don't think I could have survived on that level. <laughs> I'm just trying to you know make myself, you know, fit in just on, as an act of will or, uh, you know, just to bloody-mindedness or whatever, or just, you know, resignation to fate or whatever, or the way that, that uh, Sakya Ditti operates in me, you know, my particular style of Sakya Ditti <laughs> But because of, of that, that, you know, when, when I think back of those early years with Ajahn Chah, uh, it's uh, very much that Puru, that putto, that perspective, because I caught on to that almost immediately. Where before I'd always regarded Buddha in terms more like from Sila Bhattabharamasa, more on a conventional level you know, the, the historical Buddha, Gotama, the Buddha, or a kind of, and then in Zen forms like that, they talk about Buddha nature. So then I can see Buddha nature as some kind of, you know, as something or other. And, and then it's like, I've got to get it. I've got to find out what my Buddha nature is. So so then the, the self grabs the, the words Buddha nature, and they're trying to say, what is that? You know, I have to develop my Buddha nature. Uh, and then I'm still in the sangsara, you know, the sakya, sakya ditti, And then all the doubts about sotapanna panna, Kamana kamyana, kamyana, the paths. And, and the way that sakya ditti grasps those terminologies. You know, so it's like trying to become a, a stream enterer. Or become an Arahant. From the Sakya level. Through reading the scriptures. Because it sounds like you become, you know, you become, somebody becomes an Arahant in the scriptures. And you, to me that sounds like, you know, on the level of Sakya if that's all I'm operating from, that's all I know, then it's like I'm not an Arahant and I've got to work hard in order to become one. Can I become pure enough? Can I really become pure enough to become an arahant before I die? Like that's pure Sakya Ditti, the whole thing. <laughs> and so switching on the light to Sakyaditi rather than trying to just get rid of Sakyaditi, it's still Sakyaditi. You know, so trying to to stop thinking and get rid of conceit and Doubt, just through willful acts, it's still sakya ditti. I've got to stop. I've got to get rid of. I, I shouldn't be conceited. I should be humble. So humbleness means I don't dare assume that I could ever become an arahant. That's just too high up. Because, you know, from my, my sakya Ditti level is, it likes humility. You know, doesn't like to, doesn't want to promote myself in that kind of boasting way you know if anybody's going to get there I'm going to get it even though I'm an American I don't tend to think like that <laughs> so I have more I'm more English in that respect More. <laughs> oh I don't think I've you know I have so many kind of problems and I don't, don't dare assume that I could ever achieve that, and so I humble goal. I, if I just become a better person, I've not wasted my life. So I made humble, kind of humble goals for myself in the beginning. But it's still fakir You know, It's still whether you think you're you're, you're the one that's going to get there before anyone else, or you don't dare assume. Uh, such grandiose uh, ambitions—it's <laughs> all sakkāriti, the whole thing. <laughs> the, so then, the, it's like switching on the light, isn't it? This, from the nibbānic level, you're observing this Sakyaditi is like this, and so obvious. It's based on karanīta. We chant that all the time: all conditions are impermanent. So it's a reminder, a continuous reminder. So that includes everything, everything you think or feel happy suka duka atuka matsuka arrogance and pride and uh, or humility sense of being a you know not being someone in any way, whether you're a humble person or an arrogant person is still person. The person is uh, still the the illusion. So then you get into you know, things like, well, rule, you know, the one who knows, if that what is it that knows? And and so then we start thinking about it again, you know, what is it that is observing the self? If if I'm if I'm operating now from the Nibbana perspective, the mode of observing what is it that knows? Or who? And so then this, 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 this uh, the doubt arises. And this is where there's knowing, isn't there? It's not somebody knowing. Because I can't find somebody knowing anything. But there's certainly knowing as an active functioning reality in the present. And you don't want to call it anything because it's not Didi, I can't say it's me, and I'm I'm the one that knows, because that takes thought again, isn't it? It's still, it's like claiming it as some kind of personal achievement, but it's certainly knowing. It's 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 it's, it's real, you know. It's not made up, overblown kind of desires operating. It's uh, this this watching, observing, listening, attentiveness to the changing conditions, the physical, the, the sensory, the emotional, the psychic, refined course, or anywhere in between, because condition, condition phenomena has that, you know, has that wide spectrum of the best to the worst, the refined to the course, You know, so this uh, this, is the qualities are, you know, so vast the changing the qualities of samsara, so that the perspective from the mode of nibbana is the observing, the the changingness rather than than uh, judging the qualities or trying to control things by trying to hold on to refinement and suppressing coarseness. So then there's, there's the listening to observe. You know, I've, I've done these, I've talked about investigation of space through visual sense of sight. You know, you observing, witnessing space and investigating it. Because... <clears throat> You know, I found in my life in, in early years as a monk in Wapapong <clears throat> you know, I, I couldn't understand a lot of you know, when they give Lungpacha would give talks. Early in the morning we had to sit through these Vinaya readings and a monk would get up there in a high seat and read from this text. And I couldn't understand anything and it was so boring anyway, everybody was sleeping. You know, the monk that read didn't seem to have any sense of, of trying to make it interesting. They just just droned from the high seat and everybody looked, you know, like they were falling asleep. This would go on for, seemed like, hours, but it probably wasn't that long. <laughs> but then in terms of, of uh, you know, reflecting and on how I have developed a version of this monk... Reading from this text and observing, observing this, this uh, you know, hating this monk, thinking he's insensitive and he's boring, and they shouldn't allow him to do this, and this is you know putting me off Vinyasa, and not not kind of encouraging me at all, and and uh, you know I get very negative about it. But then there's also this puto observing this these reactions. And then the, then the super you should you shouldn't be so petty you know he's doing his best this monk is is offered to do this you should respect his good intentions and and you can't judge it because you don't know the language and it is rather you know it's, a, it's not an easy text to read anyway I, I think even if you're fluent in Thai <laughs> And it's boring. Vinaya is, you know, a very boring subject anyway. So, so uh, you know, to me, <laughs> so, so it's uh, you know, this you know, then I start criticizing myself, rules and and the kind of going into details of what is an offense and what isn't, and and it's just you know, just uh, on that level, I get so frustrated by all this. Seemed like incredible fussiness. Then the watching of this feeling, the poo 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 the knower of this. And I began to just, you know, investigate this sense of oh, what a miserable mental state I'm making around all this. Conceit, there's a lot of conceit, a lot of views, a lot of misery, because I said they're miserable you know, resenting it, fulminating in my resentments, waiting for him to finish, all these negative states. So then switching on the light, observing, putol. And then visually, you know, just seeing how, how even as Buddhist monks, you know, I would start making personalities out of the different monks. I like this one, this is a good monk, I don't like that monk. You know, and then the whole point of being a monk is getting, you know, kind of diminishing the sense of personality. Shaving the head, wearing a robe, you know, not in terms of of friends and my the ones I like, my buddies, my pals, the good monks versus the bad monks. And but that was very easy to do on the Sakyaditi level. You know, so whether they, you know, whether they have shaven heads and all that is still. You start seeing them as personalities that affect you, that you like or don't like. So then uh, I started experimenting because I was interested in 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 this in space and consciousness. And so I just started observing the space between monks when I'm sitting here, like I'm, instead of becoming. So caught up in you know this is a good monk this is a don't this one I don't like on a personal level. Letting go of that doesn't matter whether you know on that level of liking or disliking, but or whatever. But just the space into to to observe space. I had to withdraw my my uh, interest in the personal reactions I had to the individuals to the individual monks. So I started observing that. The space between monks uh, during these boring readings. <laughs> anyway, and it was quite helpful because suddenly, you know, I thought, in order to really observe space, I had to, you know, withdraw. And wasn't that getting rid of any monks? I didn't ask them to leave, but just not um, focusing on and getting caught up in my liking and disliking of any individual. Because the space is the same, isn't it? When you're observing space, it's space between uh, one monk and another. It's, it's not personal anymore. <laughs> you can't say this, the space between this monk and that monk is good or bad or beautiful or ugly or anything like that. It is space, though. That's like getting this insight into withdrawing this attachment to, because the, the the personal reactions was all about attachment, isn't it? Sakyatiti kind of, you know, liking, disliking, forming opinions. That's attachment, and then to 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 not attach anymore, but to still be present. I didn't close my eyes and re- reject the. The monks, but observing space, because space is here and now. Santidika Akalika Dhamma. Then, in, and that led toward, uh, you know, listening. Again, where sound of silence, this background vibratory vibration, it has the same sense of spaciousness. It has unlimitedness, in other words. Where personality all has limits, isn't it? This person is like this, that. Monk is like that, and, and uh, it changes according to conditions, and so on. But when it comes to space, visual space, or silence, Sound of Silence, is, it has this continuity. It doesn't, doesn't have boundaries. It has this continuity, like space goes on and on and on, doesn't it? And, and Sound of Silence has no... Doesn't, it's just a flowing sound, or vibration... So when you notice this, you know, you stop, you stop thinking. The thinking process stops. And you're, you're, but you're still in this position of observing, of puto. Is puto still, you know, you're not going into a trance. I don't go unconscious into some kind of absorbed trance. It's just very alert where the, I'm not caught in, in just trying to control things or do something or create something or get rid of something. Do so you notice this, the puru, you, the way it is? Sound of silence is like this. Who's aware of the sound of silence? It seems ridiculous. Question. There's awareness, and I think I'm aware of sound of silence, and that it's not. There's no I in it, unless I create, you know, some kind of personal attachment to to the perception of sound of silence. But if I'm just with it, just resting in it, in space and in silence and stillness, it's like this: there's the puru, the knowing, the puto, knowing dhamma. You know, the Buddha knows the dhamma, knows the way it is, knows the truth. But it's not like I become Buddha. That whole that whole thing falls away. It doesn't make sense anymore. To you know, the the language or the desire to possess anything. There, but there's certainly awakenedness, awakened consciousness, Santitika Akalika Dhamma. So, it's a way of reflecting. I encourage you to trust yourselves more <laughs> during this retreat. You get caught in doubts about yourself and... Criticism? Observe it. Don't try to get rid of it or think that you shouldn't or believe it, but see it. it, Switch on the light, the floodlight. Awareness. It's like this.